Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are so encouraged to know that God is using the ocean to impact your life through the ministry of the word. Knowing that your life is being transformed is exactly why we exist. As our vision says, we exist to know Jesus and make him known. So sit back, relax, and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your life through this message. Zephi said this week is day seven of our time of corporate prayer and fasting, and I'd just like to encourage you today to spend some time to pray for a prayer point. We're praying for our church leadership and staff. It's really important that we stand behind them because they are the wheels behind the Ocean Church. So please, I encourage you, let's pray for Ocean leadership and church staff. And as we're talking about prayer and fasting, I just want to highlight something that was shared this week during our times of corporate prayer one of the leaders said that fasting is hungering and thirsting after God. Fasting is hungering and thirsting after God. When we fast, we create a hunger and a thirst that only God can satisfy. So I really want to encourage you this week, seek intimacy with the Lord, desire intimacy. Book of Matthew 5 verse 6 says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. And as you seek the Lord through praying and fasting, I guarantee you, you will be filled. Amen? And I just also want to extend an invitation to those of you who have been unable to join us for one reason or another. We meet every day from 6 to 7 p.m. at the ministry center that is opposite the Colosseum Hotel. Please come and join us. It's a powerful time of prayer and worship. And we have received so, so, so many so many wonderful testimonies. I could spend the entire duration of my sermon now just speaking about the faithfulness of God in honoring our time of praying and fasting. So I want to encourage you. God is moving. God is working. God wants to minister to you. So please come and join us. But at the same token, I think it's also important to highlight that when we engage in prayer and fasting, we're entering into a battle. And our enemy, the devil, is never happy when the children of God are seeking him in deeper ways. So he may do things for the next few weeks at work, at home, to distract, to distract you, to discourage you, to cause you to doubt. But don't give up. Don't stop fasting. Continue to press in. God will reward your sacrifice. And on the days we meet, for corporate prayer, our prayer team is always on hand to pray with those of you who have needs. So please, this is another opportunity for you just to come in. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to hear your needs. We'd love to surrender them up to God because we know our God is a powerful God and he hears when his children cry out to him. So church, please join us in this time of prayer and fasting. It's important. It's powerful. It'll lead you into a deeper relationship with God. Amen? Amen. Amen. So today's week three of our sermon series entitled, When the church prays. And today we're going to be looking at what happens when the church decides to engage in earnest corporate prayer. Now, the world we live in seems to be in many ways out of control. There are a lot of frightening things that are happening all around us. We just need to watch the daily news, read the newspaper, or take a look at our lives or the lives of our loved ones. Faith weakens. 
Sickness comes. Finances disappear. Divorce looms. Loneliness suffocates. Friends betray. Careers stall. You name it, the challenges of life confront all of us, and there's nothing we can do to stop it. However, the good news is, even though we may not be able to stop these challenges, we can choose how we respond. So church, I want to ask you something this morning. How do you respond to the challenges of life? Do you try to pacify the troubles that come your way with alcohol, with money, with your own resources? Do you try to use your own strength, your own wisdom, your intelligence, your friends, your own resources? Because if you do, I want to tell you, you are sure to fail. Those things are only a temporary solution. There's only one permanent solution to the troubles that plague our lives on a day-to-day -day basis, and that is prayer. Amen. Prayer is the only way that we can go through the seasons of life in peace, knowing that our Father in heaven is with us and he fights our battles. Amen. So I'd like you to turn with me today in the book of Acts chapter 12, verse 1 to 16. And as you're looking for, those, for that in your Bibles, I'm going to give you just a little bit of context of what we'll be reading today. The church in the book of Acts had experienced a season of peace, but that peace was interrupted when Herod, the king installed by the Roman Empire, began to persecute the church in Jerusalem. He persecuted the church to gain popularity with the Jewish people, and particularly their leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. This King Herod is the grandson of the King Herod who killed all the male babies at the time of Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. Now, in Acts chapter 12, the same family is being used by Satan to stop the word of God. So Acts chapter 12, verse 1 to 16. Please follow along with me. About that time, Herod, the king, laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison. But earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself, put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but he thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord. And it went out along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people who were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose, name, whose other name was Mark, 
where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer, recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it's his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they, when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. This is the word of God. Let's pray, church. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that we can come before you as your sons and daughters, Lord, just to learn from you, Lord, to see the amazing things that you did, Heavenly Father, in the Bible, and to also know that you do those same things here and now, Father God. So, Lord, as we come before you to learn about prayer, Lord, which is really seeking deeper intimacy with you, your Holy Spirit come and convict our hearts, Father God, and direct us and teach us, Lord. Lord, use me as your vessel today to minister your word to your people for your glory. It's in your mighty and holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we see from our reading that the early church had already lost the apostle James. And Peter was now in prison. But how did they respond? We don't see them protesting or planning some kind of prison break. They prayed. Prayer was their only weapon, and it proved to be the strongest weapon. Instead of planning for Peter's funeral, they were pleading for Peter's future. This should remind us, in those times when the doctor says, this person only has such and such hours to live, such and such days to live, we should not begin planning for a funeral. We should plead to God for their future. Now, if you're in the habit of highlighting things in your Bible, I'd like you to look at verse number five. It says, but... Earnest prayer. But earnest prayer for Peter was made to God by the church. But earnest prayer. Let's say that together, please. But earnest prayer. And I love this little word, but, because it, it indicates a change in direction. We read that James was dead, and now Peter is in prison, but the church was still praying. Why? What gave them this faith to continue to press into God? I believe it's because they realized that by their own strength, they couldn't change their circumstances, but they knew that through prayer, they could access God's power to make the impossible possible. They knew that they could access God's power to make the impossible possible. You see, church, you see, the church was powerless against Herod, but they knew that God wasn't. And so they acknowledged their need for God's help and asked him to intervene in their situation. Prayer should always be our first response and not our last resort. <laughs> but unfortunately, as we know, I'm guilty of this as well, many times prayer is our last resort. <laughs> we find ourselves praying only when we realize that there's nothing that we can do of our own wisdom, but, but only God's intervention can save us. That's when we pray. Essentially, what we're saying when we do this is that we only see God working, or we only see the usefulness of God in special circumstances, but we do not see the usefulness or the power of God in all circumstances. Think of it this way. The things we pray about are the things we trust God to handle. The things we do not pray about are the things we believe we can handle on our own. Is that anybody here? Mm -hmm. Because if you're really counting upon God to do something, then you will pray about it. You will trust him, you will communicate with him. 
But if you're not counting on him, you, are, you will not pray. If you're counting on something or someone else, you definitely will not pray. But church, the Bible tells us in the book of Thessalonians, we should pray at all times and on all occasions. Not just emergencies, but at all times and on all occasions. Why? Because the power of the church is in prayer. And that power is accessed when we pray earnestly. Our prayer, our power is in prayer. And we access that power of God when we decide to pray earnestly. Now, some of you may be asking, what does it mean to pray earnestly? Well, praying earnestly has nothing to do with praying these long, intense, sweat-inducing prayers where people are jumping up and down and screaming. It has, it has absolutely nothing to do with that. Praying earnestly is simply coming before God with a humble heart and seeking His will, asking Him to give you His words to utter back to Him. That is what earnest prayer is. It's not a matter of actions. It's not in the physical. It's a spiritual thing. It's a matter of the heart. And we can see in this scripture that the church made earnest prayer for Peter. And what happened when they did? He was set free. I mean, if you go back to the scripture and you read properly the situation that Peter found himself in, he was in prison with 16 guards. Now you need to remember, the reason Herod took special care to ensure that Peter would not escape is because this guy already escaped from prison twice. <laughs> the apostles were masters in breaking out of prison. So Herod said, this time, we are going to take extra care. So there were 16 guards guarding Peter, and he was chained on both sides to two of them. But the church prayed. The church made earnest prayer on his behalf, and he was released. I mean, does this make sense to you? No. It doesn't make any sense. And the thing is, we're not alone. When you go back and read the disciples themselves, Peter comes back. He, Zendaya, is happy. I've been freed from prison. And he gets there, and these people are praying for him. And this girl goes and says, oh, Peter is here. And they're like, no, it's not possible. <laughs> you must be crazy. No, it's not possible. It's his angel. But they were praying. So you have to ask yourself, what are these people really <laughs> praying for? And you know, sometimes I think these things happen to us ourselves. Yeah. But God can do the unexpected things. Yeah, and just as we have seen in this scripture, miracles happen when God moves. And God moves when the church prays earnestly. Amen. That's why these men and women were gathered together in Mary's house to pray for Peter. They understood. They understood that there's something especially powerful about the church gathering together to pray earnestly and unitedly for a common cause. Okay? It's about praying earnestly, but unitedly for a common cause. But Ocean Church, second service, I love you all, but I think that this is something that we struggle with. And if you don't believe me, I want to invite you to visit our Wednesday night prayer meetings. The numbers are very low. Many of you, unfortunately, are not there. You may be sitting there thinking, Josh, you're reading too much into the scriptures. You're adding things that are not there. Because these people were gathered to pray because somebody's life was on the line. But let me tell you this. It's not just one person's life that's on the line. 
but there are billions of lives on the line. Millions in this city, including our family and friends. And so church, it behooves us to come together and pray and to ask God to raise up harvest hands even within our midst. Because the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And Ocean Church, second service, God wants to raise up harvest hands within this place. But we must be a people who pray earnestly so that God will move, so that God will set the people who are captive to sin and shame free. He did it for Peter. He can do it for us. But we must pray together. We must make a commitment to be a people of prayer. And Ocean Church, this is the key message behind this sermon series. We must become a people of prayer. The early church did not possess armies with weapons. Compared with the nations and kings, they seemed powerless. But on the contrary, they were more powerful because prayer was their weapon. And you know what? Prayer is our weapon too. And I'm going to repeat this over and over again. Prayer is our weapon too. We have the access to the same God who performed those miracles. Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. God has not changed. He still does the same things. He still answers our prayers in the same ways. And that's why we are emphasizing prayer is our weapon too. As the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So we should not fight our battles as the world does. Because in prayer, we possess the power of God. The world is not shaped and changed by leaders, but the world is shaped and changed by an almighty God who responds to the prayers of his people. And if we believe this, then we will refuse. We will absolutely refuse. We would be uncomfortable to stand idly by as the world gets more messed up by the day. Prayer is a powerful weapon on the part of the children of God to change events. And when we pray in accordance with God's will, we must believe that he will hear and answer our prayers. When we pray in accordance with God's will, it's not about praying about what we want. It's about praying what he wants, what he desires to do. And when we pray those type of prayers, then he will answer and have his way here on earth. Now, church, I want to show you something. Can anyone see what I'm holding here in my hand? If you can see, please raise your hand. (laughs) Anyone? Going once? (laughs) going twice. So I'm holding a mustard seed in my hand. And Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples, said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, then you can move mountains. As we saw the early church, they were praying for Peter to be released, but they didn't believe it. Did that stop God from setting him free? No. So it's not about the size of our faith. It's about the size and the power of the God that we believe in. So church, for the past three weeks, we have been talking about prayer. But we are a church that believes in reading, but in also doing the word. So today I would like us to engage in a few moments of collective corporate prayer. 
And there's two things that I'd like us to pray for. If you follow the news, or track social media, you will see that there's a lot of clamor about whether or not this year there'll be free and fair elections in Tanzania. But I know that God desires for Tanzania to have free and fair elections. Now, while the outside world speculates, I want us to be a church that decides today that we are going to make earnest prayer for our nation's elections, that we are going to make earnest prayers for our nation's leaders. So I want to ask you to please stand with me right now, and we are going to pray at this moment that God will bring peace in Tanzania, that God will bring justice, that God will help us have free and fair elections, so that his will will be done. So church, don't let me pray by myself. Let's pray together. We'll just take a few moments. Let's pray together earnestly that God will move in this nation. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning as the Ocean Church, Lord, just to say thank you, Lord, that you have given us access to you. You have given us access to your throne, Father God. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for this nation of Tanzania, where you have called us all to live right now, Heavenly Father. Lord, you know that we're having elections this year, Father God. And we know that, Lord, there's a lot of, there's a lot of confusion, Heavenly Father. There's a lot of clamor, Father God. But you bring peace to the storm, Heavenly Father. You are the God who calms the storm, Father God. And we know that you have called us, Lord, to pray for our leaders, that we will live quiet and peaceful lives, Father God. So today, Heavenly Father, as your children, we come before you, Lord, to lift up the nation of Tanzania, to lift up the elections, Heavenly Father, that will be happening in October or November, Heavenly Father. Would you have your way in this nation, Father God, that your will will reign, Heavenly Father, that peace will reign, Father God, that justice will reign, Heavenly Father, that integrity will reign, Heavenly Father. Father God, we lift up the National Electoral Council, Father God. We pray, Father God, that you will equip their leaders, Heavenly Father, with a godly character, Father God, that as they are planning this process, Heavenly Father, it will align with your will, Heavenly Father. And Father God, even when the ballots are cast, Father God, we pray that it will be done in a way that is pleasing to you, Heavenly Father, that everyone, Heavenly Father, will be given exactly what they deserve to be given, Father God. We pray in your mighty and holy name, King Jesus, today that you will reign in Tanzania, Heavenly Father, that you will take over the government Heavenly Father, that you will turn their minds to you, Father God, because Heavenly Father, we know that you are an almighty God, Heavenly Father, that there's nothing beyond you, Heavenly Father. Your word says that the hands of kings are in your hands, Father God. So would you mold this government? Would you shape this nation, Father God, and turn us back to you, Heavenly Father? We thank you that when we cry out to you, Father God, you hear us. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father. Oh, Lord, we worship you. And churches, we're in the same spirit of prayer. I would like us to pray about something that is a bit closer to home. Now, just like Peter, I know that there are members of a church body who are locked up in the jail of guilt. They're tied up with sin and shame and addictions. But just like God sent his angel and a light shone and Peter was set free, I know that God desires to set our brothers and sisters free. He who the Son has set free is free indeed. So let us pray collectively today, church, earnestly that God will set our brothers and sisters free from the things that so easily entangle them. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we say thank you, Lord. We thank you for this church, Heavenly Father.
Yes, they just they have the love for you here. Yeah. Yeah. But when you feel it, it's like a spirit is we give you we give you praise heavenly father and we just pray that lord you will instill your word in your children's hearts so that they will live pure and clean lives heavenly father we pray that you will open the gates today heavenly father that you will shine the light in heavenly father and remove every aspect of darkness father god we pray for every chain and bondage to be broken in the mighty name of jesus father god we pray that your children be set free lord to live a life that you have called them to live heavenly father we stand here on the promise of your word lord god that he who you set free, Lord God, is free indeed, Heavenly Father. So let the ocean today walk in freedom. Let the ocean today walk in restoration. Let the ocean today, Heavenly Father, walk in purity, Father God. May we be no longer shackled by the things of this world. May we no longer desire the things of this world, Father God, but may we desire you, Lord. This is our heart's desire. This is the core of our church, Lord, to know you and to make you known, Father God. So set us free, Lord, to advance your kingdom, Father God. Clean us, Heavenly Father, and we'll be clean, Father. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We glorify you because we know, Lord, when we gather as your children to pray earnestly for a common cause, Heavenly Father, that you hear and that you move. So we bless your mighty and holy name for hearing us today. Lord, we thank you. Church, you may have your seats. We may not see the fruits of what we have just done, but I want to guarantee you, it's powerful. God is moving in our midst. God will hear our prayers and he will heal our land. God will set our brothers and sisters free. The power of the church is in prayer and that power is accessed when we pray earnestly. God bless you all.